Hello, you have reached the Wild Woman Hotline, a place for visionary entrepreneurs like you to listen in on value-packed episodes for growing your brand in bold and strategic ways. What's up, Wild Woman? Welcome back to another episode of The Hotline. I'm so pumped that you're here. And holy shit, we made it to episode 54. When I started this podcast a couple years ago, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea how long I was gonna be in this journey for, and I am really excited to get to episode 54. It feels like a milestone. 54 is a weird number, I know. It's not 55, it's not 100, but I'm just taking the opportunity to say thank you for following along on this journey. I know that we've pivoted, we have gone up and down with the content on this show, and the fact that you're still here listening means the world to me. So today we are having an awesome conversation about how polarization and authenticity, first of all, they go hand in hand and how when they are combined, create the absolute best, most effective and powerful marketing for your brand. So today's guest, Lindsay Hansen, actually quit her accounting job just a year into her career in search of something more. I think we can all relate to this story of trying a lot of different avenues in our professional life and figuring out, hey, this isn't for me. So in the depths of Lindsay's crisis, this quarter life crisis that she was having, she knew that she couldn't spend the next 40 years going into an office that was unfulfilling her in terms of the job, punching numbers into a spreadsheet. She knew that there had to be a life where she could make really good money doing the work that she loved while making a real impact on the world. So she set out on this journey to find it. Now, fast forward three years, and here Lindsay is today as an online business coach, but also a freelance digital marketer. And she also hosts the One of the top categories, this podcast is in the category of entrepreneurship. It's one of the top podcasts, the Quit Your Job Sis podcast. You're gonna hear all about this throughout that interview, but through her podcast and through her business, she has helped dozens of women to leave behind these really unfulfilling jobs in the corporate world and to turn their passions into authentic and impactful online businesses. So now she's here to share her journey and help women around the world to know that a nine to five is not the only path to success. And if you guys know my story, you know that my journey is very similar to Lindsay's. So you're gonna hear us talk a lot about the parallels between our professional journeys, but we also talk a lot about how to show up authentically in your marketing beyond it just being a buzzword and how authenticity goes hand in hand with polarity. And if you want to be truly authentic in your marketing, you have to be willing to be polarizing and to have a strong perspective. So we talk about some of the red flags that you can identify inauthentic marketing, the more subtle red flags. And then we also talk about how to look at career pivots as one of the best forms of education that you can ever receive. So Lindsay gives her advice on how to bring closure to previous chapters of your professional life so that you can move forward confidently in a direction that is gonna fulfill you and light you up. So with no further ado, let's dive on into this episode with Lindsay Hansen, all about polarity and authenticity in your marketing. All right, Lindsay, you are like the epitome of a wild woman rebel child, which I love (laughs) because you like completely, we have very similar stories actually in terms of like, had this awakening and turned our back on the nine to five corporate world and stepped into doing something that we had no freaking clue how to do, which was to start our business. So before I kind of like drop all the bombs, can you tell us about your story, how you got started doing what you're doing now and what that journey was like for you? Yeah, it's been a journey. So I used to be an accountant. (laughs) I went to school for accounting um, really because I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was 18 years old and I had to pick my major and go to college. Cause that's what you do. Right. Which like, does anybody <laughs> at 18 no. know what <laughs> they so want to do for the, it's such a, f- anyway, I digress. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> no, I know. So I chose accounting cause I, you know, it's a good career path. You'll always have a job. It's stable. All those reasons. Um, and I, I kind of just went through the motions, got my degree, I ended up getting my master's degree and my CPA license. Um, So it was lots of studying, lots of time went into 
starting this career. And then I started it and realized that I was miserable doing it. Um, I did not enjoy the work. I didn't find it fulfilling. I just felt like I wasn't on the right. It's like I was on this path and I never stopped to be like, is this the path I really want to be on? And then I finally had to stop and just be real with myself. Like, I can't do this for the next 40 years of my life, right? At least 40 years. And so it was about a year into my career when I kind of had my quarter life crisis moment of, okay, I cannot do this and I need to figure out what I'm going to do instead. Um, And so at the time I was really passionate about fitness. I had, I had been on my own fitness journey for a few years at that point. And I was kind of at that point where I'm like making workouts for my friends, like, and helping them with their nutrition tips, things like that. And I was like, maybe I could be a personal trainer. Like maybe I could be a fitness coach. I think I'd really love doing that. I would feel like I'm really helping people and making an impact. And I think that would be fulfilling for me. And so I went on to Google and I (laughs) figured out how, what I needed in order to get certified as a personal trainer. I enrolled in a self-study course and I started studying for that while I was still working in my nine to five job. And then about six months later, um, I was about to take that exam and get my personal training certification. And I had been kind of had the wheels turning on this idea of starting an online coaching business. Cause I really wanted that freedom of like, I didn't want to work in a gym. I wanted that freedom of sitting my own schedule, working with clients all over the world from my couch. Like that was the dream. Right. So long story short, I ended up quitting. Um, I put in my two weeks, the Monday after Thanksgiving of 2018, which was a few weeks before I even was, um, taking my certification exam, but I was just at a point where I was like, I cannot do this for another day. Um, ended up passing, got certified. I launched my first online coaching program, January of 2019. And here we are. My business has now evolved from fitness coaching to, life coaching, now business coaching slash um, social media management, podcasting, and all of the things that I'm doing now. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that so much because, you know, one of the big things we're talking about today is authenticity and marketing. And before we really dive into that, I want to ask you some introspective questions Mm -hmm. because your story and my story parallel so much in terms of that journey of trying something, realizing, okay, this is not it, pivoting, trying something, okay, this is still not it, pivoting, right? So I'm curious, because I know there's a lot of people that maybe feel like they're behind in life, or that they're wasting time, or that what's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? Or why can't I get my shit together? Like, what happened? Why am I like this, right? And so I'm really curious from your perspective, especially considering you coach people on how to find a career that fulfills them, that they love to start businesses, what it may, whatever it may be. I'm really curious from your perspective of what is happening when somebody goes down a road to maybe get a degree, because that was my case. I went, I got a lot of higher education for a degree that I am not using at all today. And I, you know, part of me, part of that like small part of myself is like, man, I wish I had, a, I wish I would have had more foresight. I mm-hmm. wish I would have thought about things differently back then. What do you think goes into the, like the mindset and the psyche of not knowing and kind of yeah. ping ponging around in life until you find that thing? Um, I think, I feel like I'm still there in a lot of ways. Like I still feel like I don't, I don't have it all figured out. There are still moments where I'm like, is this really what I want to be doing? Or I'm not really feeling like as excited about this part of my business as I used to, like, is there something else? And I still feel a little bit crazy. And like, what am I even doing here? Like, did I choose the right thing? Am I on the right path? I still feel that way three and a half years into this business. Right. And so I, for me, I've just learned to embrace it. I think we're put into this box where we're expected to pick what we want to do at 18 years old. Right. And then do that thing for the rest of our lives. And some people do that. Some people are born knowing what they want to do, like knowing what they want to be when they grow up and then they do it and they love it and they do it for their entire career. And it's great. I am not that person. (laughs) Like I just am not. And I think a lot of us aren't, but we feel like there's something wrong with us because we've been told you're supposed to 
have one thing that you want to do for the rest of your life. And I just don't think that's true for a lot of us. I think a lot of us have passions. We follow them. We um, are really interested in something and then we kind of master it and then we want to move on to something different. Right. And so I think that's what, that's what has happened to me. And a lot of the pivots that I've made in my business, it was like, I, it's not that I didn't enjoy fitness coaching. I loved it. I just reached a point where it was like, this isn't fulfilling me anymore. And I'm feeling called into something new. And so I think trusting yourself to follow that instead of making it mean anything about how you're, you're not on the right path or you chose the wrong thing. I don't ever think of it that way. I just think every pivot I make, every step I make is moving me closer to where I'm ultimately going. And it's all adding up. Like I learned so much as a fitness coach and, and from launching that business and marketing it and finding clients, I learned so much about how to run a business, how to market, how to sell that I'm now applying to any business that I create. Right. So I don't really look at it as like, oh, I chose the wrong path. And so I had to pivot onto the right path. It's like, you're always on the right path and you can't, you can't mess it up. So, but you, you have to trust yourself when you're feeling called into that next step, into that next level, I don't see it as you're on the wrong path and you have to like get on the right path. It's just, this is your path, right? Where you're feeling called into doing something new and it's time to explore that. And maybe you just are done with whatever phase of your life or career that you're currently in. Mm-hmm. And that's such a like permission granting way of looking at it. Because what I've come to realize is what if there's nothing wrong with the way that I function? What if Mm -hmm. there's something inherently limiting and constricting about the paradigm of career that we live in? Like literally, what if the problem is the fact that we have this huge cultural narrative that you are meant to do one thing, you're meant to find that one thing, you're meant to climb the ladder and be uber successful in it. And that's where you're going to make your wealth. That's where you're going to build your recognition. That's where you're going to find your security. And that's kind of the thing that you specialize in, whether you stay at the same company or whether you move to different ones, you're in Mm -hmm. one industry and that's like your zone of genius. What if that in and of itself is inherently the problem? What if the problem is that instead of the problem being us, seeking fulfillment through the work that we do in life. And while you were talking, I was frantically looking for the name (laughs) of this book because uh, it brought to life a concept that I learned about in a book called Rocket Fuel. Have you have you read that by Gino Wickman? I haven't. It's really good. So he introduces this concept. I don't think he came up with it, but he introduces this concept of the visionary And the Mm -hmm. visionary is somebody in a company who literally ping pongs like their their magic is to ping pong and to get their hands dirty and to explore and to literally find the new idea. And then there's a role of an integrator and the role of the integrator is somebody that comes in to say, slow down, we need to think about these things first, we need to finish A before we go to B. So it's like a it's like a checks and balances system between the, the visionary and the integrator. But Mm -hmm. what I hear from your story and what I resonate a lot with my own story is that visionary concept of there's like this restlessness around fulfillment and around newness and around learning and discovery. And something that I've really realized, too, is that I may not be using the degree that I got in my bachelor's and my master's program in a straightforward way, but Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people I've supported that have health and wellness businesses. My degree is in nutrition and dietetics. I yeah. can't tell you how many brands I've supported that are in the health and wellness industry or that are in the dietetics industry or that are in the functional hormone health industry. Like that's one of my niches mm-hmm. because I understand that world, <laughs> yeah. right? So even though I'm not using it, it's come full circle. And that has been something I've had to learn to give myself permission to be okay with and not beat myself up about because, oh, I've invested all of this money in a, yeah. in a degree that I'm not technically using now. What a waste of time. I should have gone mm-hmm. for business. I should have gone for marketing. I should have gone for whatever. Maybe, but maybe I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing now and working with the incredible people that I'm working with now. So no, I you love your story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love well, your I'm story. Not- <laughs> I fully agree. And I feel like I'm just at a point where I've stopped. Like people will ask me, what do you want to do? 
what do you see yourself doing 10 years from now? I'm like, I have no idea because what I thought I'd be doing even two years ago, I'm not doing that today. So what's the point of even trying to, to map out my life that far? I I'm focused on what I want to do now, you know? And, um, also I don't know if you're into human design at all, but I am a generator. So Mm -hmm. I'm not meant to know what I'm supposed to do in 10 years. I'm meant to follow what I feel called into at the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And that changes all the time. And I think realizing that and accepting that about myself and embracing it instead of constantly fighting against it and feeling like there's something wrong with me, um, is really, I think could benefit all of us. Right. Cause it's exactly what you said. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just that you're trying to fit into this box that we just have decided you're supposed to pick a career and stick with it for 40 years. And I just don't think most of us fit in that box and you're, mm-hmm. you don't have to have your entire life planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm just at a point where I'm really embracing those pivots and trusting myself. And it's scary every time. Mm-hmm. It's scary every time when I no longer am like excited about what I'm doing and I know it's time to move on to the next thing. And I don't always know what that next thing is. And mm-hmm. so it, it can be scary, but if you can trust yourself and embrace it, I think it, it ends up creating such a beautiful journey. Cause now I look back at all the things I've done and I'm like, it's crazy how I got here, but I loved every second of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know, what's funny is one of the biggest lessons I've learned as an entrepreneur is that you have to be agile, adaptable, and malleable mm-hmm. yeah. because I remember this. So in high school, we have this whole project called a scope project, and it's basically you planning your career trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you sitting down and saying, well, this, I'm going to go to school for this, and then I'm going to get a job in this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And I sat down with my advisor and I told her, I'm going to go to school here. I'm going to do a po- I'm going to do grad school. I'm going to do a postdoc here. And then I'm going to go travel here and I'm going to work at this organization. And she laughed at me and she goes, wow, you've really thought about this. I'm like, well, isn't that the assignment? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, isn't that the assignment is to project where you want to go with your career path. But I think the reason that she found it so funny is because of the fact that life changes so much and the fact mm-hmm. that situations change so much. And that's nowhere near what I'm doing now. That idea. Yeah. right but especially in the business world like we are and especially even in my industry with branding like with brand strategy and brand projections and vision and missions some organizations encourage you to think 10 years into the future Mm -hmm. and for a business our size where maybe it's us and a couple team members where we are the visionary we are the people leading the company forward and thinking of the ideas we have to be able to adapt and change at the drop of a dime because what we thought might work ends up not working. And then we have to pivot or something that we thought we were excited about turns out not to be exciting. So then we need to pivot again. And it's just so funny how there's this concept of you have to know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really curious from your perspective, what are some of the things that we can do with our mindset, with our personal development tools, with just the way that we show up for life to really confront, I don't even know if confront's the right word, but I'm just gonna say confront that fear of uncertainty and Mm. get comfortable with the adapting quickly and with the agility so that we can ultimately trust ourselves. Cause I think that's what it comes down to is trusting yourself. Yeah, it totally does. I think, and again, like I said, I still experience this all the time to this day. So there's the fear is still there. Um, I think when we're dealing with uncertainty, for me, you know, uncertainty, the fear that we have is just usually around a fear of failure, right? A fear, I mean, it's a fear of the unknown, but it's based around usually fear of failure, fear of judgment. What if it doesn't work out, right? And so for me, my fear of regret was always stronger than my fear of failure, So I'm always willing to try something because I'd rather try and fail and move on to the next thing than never try and just have to wonder for the rest of my life. Like, what if I had just tried that thing? What if I had just tried, you know, that creating a course or what if I had just tried starting that business? What if I had just reached out to that person, right? Like whatever it is that you're afraid of the unknown, what if you never try at all? And to me, that fear was always stronger. So it it was always worth it. But I think also coming back to what's the actual 
worst case scenario here. Cause you know, if we're talking about something like quitting your job, that's a huge unknown to jump into. And our brains naturally want to go to like worst case scenario. You're never going to make any money and you're never going to be able to get a job again. And you're going to be homeless for the rest of your life. And like, that's not actually what's going to happen. Cause you're not going to let yourself get to that point. Like the actual worst case scenario is that I would go back and get another accounting job. Right. And so if my worst case scenario is being exactly where I am right now, then it's worth at least trying this thing that I'm feeling called into. Right. And I think at the core of it too, is just having that deep trust that you have your own back. Like for me, I never knew how I was going to create any of this, but I trusted myself to figure it out. Like even if, even if entrepreneurship didn't work out, I would figure it out. I would find a job. I would find another way to make money. Like I would, I would figure it out. I have my own back and I just have that kind of baseline trust in myself, um, which I think really helped when I quit my job. But at the end of the day, it was just, it was, it was just a decision that like, I'm going to figure this out no matter where I end up, whether it works or doesn't work, whether I succeed or fail, I have my own back. And the actual worst case scenario is just getting another job. So it's, it's worth trying and exploring this new thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And something that you're talking about inadvertently, and this is so funny because it's a concept that I learned about when I was going through like my era of just everything, personal (laughs) development and everything like healing inner, like literally the era Mm -hmm. of this is called, um, the pain of presence versus the pain of absence. It's Mm -hmm. a concept. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's I haven't heard it in those terms, but I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what you're talking about. It's a it's a concept from ACT, uh, which is acceptment and commitment therapy, where Mm -hmm. the pain of presence is being willing to be with the uncomfortableness of whatever is arising so that you can experience whatever it is that you want to experience. The flip yeah. of that is the pain of absence. So the pain of absence is I'm com- I'm going to be fine staying in my shell and staying where I am because this is more comfortable. But then what I think about is the pain of what it's going to cost me to not experience that thing. So yeah. you have to choose the pain of presence mm-hmm. in order. You have to be so okay and willing to be all hell uncomfortable, not know what you're doing, be afraid, be intimidated, but still show up because you know that there's something that you're meant to do on the other side. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like inadvertently the the theory that you were talking about, which is so funny. I think some people get it intuitively. And then some people, when they hear the concept, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you've been doing this naturally yourself without really like knowing the formal theory behind it. (laughs) We totally have. Yeah. (laughs) I love that so much. And I love this little tangent that we get on because originally we were going to talk about authenticity and marketing. (laughs) We went down this deep, deep rabbit hole about pursuing your dreams and doing what scares you. Uh, And honestly, I think it's so relevant because, you know, one of my clients is coming to mind right now. She just launched a global association for functional hormone health. This is something that her and I have been working on for seven months. Originally, it was just her and her business doing one-on-one consultation. Now she has a team. Now she has a full-blown organizational international association website. Now she has so much more clout in terms of collaborating with different organizations, getting accredited by different organizations. And she was like, I literally had no idea that this is what it was going to be. I just Mm -hmm. knew that there was something that needed to come out. And I needed help to identify what that thing was, Mm. but she was willing to get uncomfortable, which is why she was able to bring this gigantic thing to life. That's only going to continue to scale and grow. Yeah. So this concept is relevant for everybody listening. If you know in your heart that there's something big inside of you that wants to be brought to life. And that's the majority of people listening. Mm -hmm. You have to be okay getting uncomfortable. You have to be willing to be crawling in your skin, not knowing what the hell you're going to do, but willing to take action because that clarity is on the other side of the fear. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So let's dive into authenticity and marketing now, (laughs) shall we? Let's do it. (laughs) 
I would love to hear from your voice. Like, what do you think? And, and this ties back in with what we've been talking about. So let's say somebody makes a big pivot. Somebody changes career paths. They either start a business or they pivot in their current business, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about marketing and the way that people talk about those transitions and those pivots going from A to B, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people making in terms of clarity about the change, bringing Mm. their community with them, making sure that there's strong storytelling? What do you see as being the big things that are happening? Hmm, that's a good question. I think a lot of people are inclined to start kind of start from scratch, right? Like, oh, I'm doing something completely different. So I need a brand new website. I need a brand new Instagram account. Like I need to change up everything. And I think usually that's not true. Even if you're just starting, right? A lot of my clients who are in a corporate job and then they're starting a side hustle or starting their business, they're like, well, I have my personal like Facebook account or Instagram account should I just start a new one for my business? And I'm like, no, (laughs) why would you not speak to wherever you already have eyes? Right. So for me, I've had my same Instagram account. It's my personal Instagram account and I've used it through my entire business. And for me, I think it's exactly what you said is taking those people on the journey with you. And so when I first started, it was like, I just started posting about fitness because I knew I was becoming a fitness coach, right? So I told people, hey, I'm becoming a fitness coach. I'm getting my certification right now and just sharing my workouts, what I was eating, like whatever, and kind of taking them on that journey with me um, in a lot of ways. And then when I decided I wanted to pivot into life coaching, I remember just making like a video. I don't know if it was on my story or like an IGTV or something. TikTok and Reels were not around then, but I just made a video like, explaining why I felt called to make that change and who I was now helping. And then, you know, all of my content from there was more so about life coaching and no longer about fitness. And so anyone who was only following me for fitness fell away. But I think, you know, there's people who've been following me from the beginning and and have enjoyed being on this journey with me. And so I think that's a huge I would, I would say mistake is, is kind of throwing it all away and starting from scratch because there are people who aren't just following you for your business. They're following you for you. They're connected to you and your story and your journey. And honestly, some of my fitness coaching clients ended up becoming life coaching clients later on. So you just never know. Um, And I would say always, always start with where you already have people, wherever you already have an audience, it doesn't have to be big, but wherever you already have eyes, why would you create a brand new account and start from zero Mm -hmm. (laughs) is probably, probably the biggest one um, that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And something to kind of piggyback off of that, what can we do with the mindset that happens and the fears that come up? in that transition period because one thing i hear all the time is i'm losing people things are tanking my audience is going down and that puts you in a really um fight or flight like scary situation when that starts to happen because we wrap up so much of our success and our worth but also our um like sustainability and longevity as a business in what's happening with our social accounts, because that's one of the main things we use (laughs) to market and communicate with people. What would you say to somebody that is considering a transition or in the middle of a transition and they're watching numbers drop, they're watching engagement drop, they're watching all these things happen? What would Mm -hmm. you say to them? I love this question. And it so goes back to authenticity in your marketing. So I've always had a mindset of I'm not going to focus on the numbers like because at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean anything. And what I have seen is that if you're showing up authentically, you are going to draw your people in. That doesn't mean you have to have a big audience. If you have 100 people following you, there's probably at least two or three people who you can speak to and who you can help right now. And those two or three people could, you know, if they end up becoming clients, that could end up being a full-time like income for you on its own, right? So getting hyper-focused on the numbers um, really just doesn't ever serve us because it's not indicative of the success of your business. When I started my business, all I had was my Instagram account 
I had 127 followers when I started posting about fitness coaching. I had maybe close to 200 when I launched my first program and I signed on eight clients in my first two months of launching that. So (laughs) like the numbers just they don't, they don't add up. They don't have to make any sense, right? Like it doesn't make any sense that I did that with less than 200 followers on Instagram. And I didn't even have a website. Like I was just using Instagram, you guys. So I would say stop focusing on the numbers so much at all. Like, and this is really the power of authentic marketing and what it's done for me and my business. I mean, I have my podcast that's brought in the majority, if not all of my coaching clients in the past year or two. Um, and many of those people are not even following me on social media. I have had people apply to work with me the same day they found my podcast. And they're like, I just immediately knew that you were the coach I wanted to work with. Right. That's insane. (laughs) My podcast is not huge. That was even like two years ago. I mean, I had just started my podcast I had maybe a hundred downloads per episode. Like we're talking tiny numbers, you guys. So I would focus less on the numbers and focus more on the community, focus more on showing up authentically, sharing what you have to share and sharing your message, sharing what you're passionate about, connecting with those humans, because it's so easy to look at, oh, I only have 3000 followers. Like Okay, but if there were 3,000 people standing in front of you right now, that's a whole lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think just focusing more on the humans behind those numbers and building connections with them because you only need, at the end of the day, a handful of clients to create a full-time business, you know? And if you can connect with two, three, four, five people in your audience, you can do that even if you only have 100 people in your audience, right? My engagement, by the way, on social media, I guess mostly on Instagram, I get pretty good engagement on TikTok now, but like my engagement on Instagram has never been high. Like to this day, I get a handful of likes on my posts, you guys, like it's never, but it's never been something I focused on because in my mindset, my mindset has always been like my, like, but the numbers don't matter as much as the connections I'm making. So I don't care if people are liking my Instagram post. I care about the DMS I get every single week from people who are like, I found your podcast and it's changed my life. Right. Um, and so focusing on that more so than just the metrics that really at the end of the day, don't mean much. And maybe I shouldn't be saying that as a social media manager, but (laughs) (laughs) It really like your engagement is important, but it's also not in a lot of ways. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It makes perfect sense. And I love the analogy. Like it always snaps me out of my head when I hear that analogy of imagine if you had 3000 people in front of you, right? We just take it for granted. We don't think those numbers are real people, but they are real people. And it's something that we so easily brush under the rug. But when you literally stop and think about, okay, what if you had 25 people in front of you? What if you had 50 people in front of you? What if you had whatever, like the amount of likes that you get on your post? What if you Mm -hmm. had that many people in front of you? That would be a full workshop. That would be a full (laughs) seminar. Like, what are we talking about here? We just lose the perspective so easily. And Mm -hmm. something I think would be really, really helpful for the Wildwind fam to hear, because a lot of us do have podcasts. A lot of us are starting podcasts. And I would love to hear some like tactical strategy, but also Mm. some more community building strategies. So when we think about the things that helped you get visibility for your podcast or helped you get discovered Mm. for your podcast, because people finding you is two things happening. There is really strategic placement like your visibility is really good which means you've used really good language you're in a really good category your episodes are really well written and or the titles are really well written so people click on them right on the flip side then you have what you're actually saying in those episodes and how you connect with people and the storytelling so this is a gigantic question so if we kind of start with more of the tactical things that have worked for you for visibility Hmm. you get discovered and to get people to listen, what would you say that those things are? Yeah, I love that question. I do want to say one more thing about social media that I thought of before we switch topics is engagement and like 
virality doesn't always equal business. So there are a lot of people who get a lot of likes and a lot of comments and have a lot of followers and they're not making money because they're not actually building connections with those people and they don't know how to monetize that audience. So Mm -hmm. those are two different things, which is also a good thing to keep in mind if you're getting caught up in the numbers going down. But I love the question about my podcast because this is one of my favorite stories to tell. So um, I think SEO is important, right? So having a podcast title and episode titles that are going to be basically equal to whatever your target audience is searching. And I did this accidentally by being really authentic in my marketing. So when I started my podcast, I had kind of been putting it off. Um, and I'm, I don't really consider myself very creative. And one of the reasons I was putting it off is because I'm like, what the heck am I going to name this thing? Like I wanted to come up with a creative name and I was like, I'm going to, I just knew I could go back and forth for like a year on what am I going to name my podcast? So I'm like, I can't let myself do that. I am going to go with the first name that comes to mind. I can always change it later, but I'm just not going to overthink it and I'm going to go with it. And so the name that came to mind was quit your job, sis. (laughs) And I went with it. It's still the name of my podcast. (laughs) But what ended up happening is most of my listeners found me because they're literally searching in Spotify or Apple podcasts or whatever, quit your job. Like they're searching for that. And they're literally in there searching for podcasts because they're feeling stuck in that place of wanting to quit their job and not knowing what to do. So that's how most people find me. But I didn't do that intentionally at all. <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, what are what are my people going to be searching? How can I put that in my podcast name? Um, so whether you do that intentionally or not, I think that has been by far the the most common way that people tell me that they find my podcast is just by searching quit your job. So if you're thinking about what would my target audience be searching, definitely include that in either your podcast name or episode titles um, whenever it's relevant to to what you're speaking about, right? So I think Mm -hmm. in terms of practical things, SEO, but I just love that story because it's such an example of like me just being authentic and it always ends up being the right marketing strategy, you know? I love that so much. I love that so much. And in terms of episode or in terms of podcast title, I'm kind of Mm. fucked because I don't think anybody's going to be searching (laughs) Wildman Hotline. But where I do think it's strategic is that somebody that aligns with that bold rebel change making energy is going to see that. And it's going to be so different from everything Mm -hmm. else in the entrepreneurship category. So even if, and this is more so a message to everybody listening, even if your podcast name doesn't necessarily isn't the most descriptive or isn't something that people would be searching for is it something that your target audience would resonate with and attract them right but Mm -hmm. i do think the seo in the episode titles is so important and so necessary because that will even come up on google search if somebody's searching yeah no it definitely will and that really goes back to authenticity too right because that's partially my podcast name is really good for SEO, but I think people also tell me it caught their attention, not just because it says quit your job, but like the energy of it, right? It's like quit your job, sis. Like it, it, it's very on brand. And so even just from my podcast title, they get a really good sense of who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think choosing a title that's authentic to you so that your people will be drawn into it exactly like you said like the people who are listening to this saw your podcast title and they were like that is me and they weren't necessarily searching wild woman but whatever they were searching they they saw your title and chose to listen to that episode right so at the end of the day you have to you have to choose something that feels authentic to you and i think it'll always naturally draw your people in but it's also important to be conscious of SEO and things like that. Like when I'm writing out my episode titles, that's definitely always on my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so I think those are kind of the big things that go into more of the tactical visibility side of things is naming descriptions, titles, Mm -hmm. et cetera. 
So if we switch into more of the community building things that you've done that have worked really, really well, this is all centered around authenticity, but what mm -hmm. does that actually look like? Maybe for somebody that feels really stuck in their head or feels really stuck in the, I have to do this to position myself this way or so that people will take me seriously or so that I come off authoritative. How do we blend the worlds of being authentic and connecting with people genuinely while still staying in a place of authority and leadership? Yeah, I mean, I think you sharing your perspective, I think a lot of times we discount, we feel like we don't have enough experience to speak on this topic or we're not an expert at it yet, right? Or who's going to listen to me? But that's what's going to differentiate you from everyone else because every single person who is a marketing coach or a business coach is talking about marketing, right? They're talking about SEO. They're talking about all the same things that we all talk about, but there's a reason why you're drawn to specific coaches and it's because they're doing it in their own way, right? And so I think for me, when it came to my podcast, it I never, in the beginning at least, never really approach it from that strategic marketing angle. It was just like, I have something to say and I want to share this because maybe it'll help someone. And I think that really benefited me because that's the energy of my podcast. And that's the energy that, that people received when they were listening to it. And it's why they felt so compelled to reach out to me and apply to work with me, or even just send me a message and be like, this podcast episode made me cry. <laughs> um, and so I think when you're focused on service, and not wrapped up in your own mind, in your own head about, am I good enough to talk about this topic? Um, that's what's really going to resonate with your people and help you to stand out because there are a billion, not literally, but there's thousands of podcasts about business, right? So what differentiates mine is me, is my perspective, my energy, um, my story and my journey. And so being really authentic and vulnerable and honest with sharing all of that is, I think, the best way to differentiate yourself in this space. Mm -hmm. And this is such a great point to speak to. I, it's really important to balance the things that we know strategically help you mm -hmm. get visible and become recognizable as a brand combined with the things that make you unique and different. Yeah. So a really great case study of this is that we are currently revamping our agency website. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, anytime I do a big project, I do a lot of industry um, investigation and analysis. Mm -hmm. I do that because I want to see the personalities that are present in my space. I want to see the way that people are talking about what they do. I want to see kind of like where everybody is positioning themselves so that I know how to help myself stand out and help the agency stand out, right? Yeah. And what I discovered, I did, I must have done 20, 30 audits of different agencies and whatnot. They're all literally saying the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no story here. There's no passion yeah. here. There's no, there's no reason why I should pay attention here other than the fact mm -hmm. that you're really good at what you do in terms of creativity and design, which is beautiful. I'm not discrediting that, but like how we have to be telling a story that's different from everybody else. Otherwise, how are we going to possibly stand out and attract people that resonate with us? Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was something that I up ultimately I took a hard left turn from what I thought I was going to do with the website revamp. And instead I told a story of a woman that knows in her heart that she has something really big that she's meant to do and something really big that she wants to create, but she lacks the clarity to be able to bring it to life. So mm. everything we do in our agency is about clarity. It's about discovery. It's about getting really specific on what that thing is and then yeah. setting you up with a powerful plan to bring it to life in your marketing, in your communications, in your brand design, in your social media, in everything that you do, including your personal style, the way that you express yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the story that we told on our website. And it was something that I felt was so unique and would resonate so strongly because it's literally the stories of the clients that we work with. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is perfect. Done. Authentic, heartfelt, true, original, unique, mm -hmm. done. Right. But I wouldn't have known that. And I probably would have said the same thing everybody else was doing 
if I didn't get curious about what was already happening. So for you in terms of authenticity and staying really true to yourself, do you think it's a good idea? And I'm really curious of just your like unbiased opinion. Do you think it's a good idea to look at what other people in your industry are doing? Or do you think that gets more in the way than it is helpful? Mm, That's a good question. And I think it depends on you. So you have to like, for me personally, anytime I look at what is somebody else doing, it gets me really in my head and I feel overwhelmed. I'm like, Oh God, there's already so many people doing this. Like there's no room for me here. Right. So I know that for me, that usually is not a good strategy because it takes me out of why am I doing this and me just being able to show up authentically and share whatever I'm here to share. But I think the way that you do it and you're approaching it from that mindset of, I know there are a lot of other people doing this, but how can I stand out? Um, Then that obviously works for you. I think typically I encourage people not to look at what everyone else is doing, mostly because I, the clients I work with are brand new business owners. And I feel like it's just going to bring you down that spiral of comparison and I'm not good enough. And there's already too many people doing this. So there's no room for me here. Right. Um, so I'd say it depends on the mindset you have going into it. Typically I don't spend a whole lot of time looking at what other people are doing because for me, it doesn't matter to me how other people are doing it. What matters to me is that I do it in a way that feels authentic and good and fun for me. Um, And I think that also is going to kind of naturally help you stand out too, because you have to, you have to enjoy what you're doing or you're not going to show up and do it consistently. Right. And so for me, like approaching things from that very strategic, like if I had started my podcast from a strictly marketing strategic standpoint, I would probably hate it. (laughs) And I didn't do that at all. I started it because I just wanted to. I wasn't thinking about it from a business standpoint at all. Um, And naturally, it became my most powerful marketing funnel in my business. Maybe that's just the generator in me. But so I think it depends on you and you have to know yourself. And like, if if it's going to be a good idea for you to look at what everyone else is doing, or if that's just going to make you spiral into comparison mode and imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something that my clients know that I have them do is yeah. I, I have them do a deep analysis of their industry. And I do that for a couple different reasons is I want them to be informed, but I also want mm. them to experience imposter syndrome and comparison in yeah. a safe <laughs> environment where they can come to me and say, wow, I am feeling so intimidated or I am feeling like I don't have the space And that's such a powerful mentorship opportunity to really unpack those things so that they're more resilient to comparison syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I really don't. I think it's just based on what you find gets the best results for people. Mm -hmm. But my clients know that I'm a bit of an annoying asshole. I'm like, you're going to do it and you're going to experience the shitstorm (laughs) that comes with it. And then we're going to work through it and you're going to be 10 times stronger on the other side. So (laughs) I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but it it is a really interesting journey to go down. And one thing that you keep hitting on is what's authentic versus not authentic to somebody. And Mm. I'm curious from your perspective of what are the signs of authenticity versus inauthenticity in how we show up? And if we want to call it marketing, because that's essentially Mm -hmm. what it is, but just how you show up, like what's the difference between what are the red flags or the signs where you're like, oh, wow, that person is not being authentic versus that person is 100% being authentic. Ooh, okay. I feel like I can answer this from two perspectives. Cause one is like on the outside looking in, how can I see those signs that someone's not showing up authentically? But I think it's also important to know what those signs are for yourself of like, is this strategy I'm using authentic to me or not? So I guess from the outside looking in, I think you can feel it. Like I'm sure if you think about people who you follow, podcasts that you've listened to, um, people on Instagram who you're following, there are certain people who just have that spark. You feel like they are so passionate about what they're doing. You feel like you know them through their content, like you personally know them. I think especially for podcasters, um, we tend to kind of become a part of our listeners' week, um, weekly lives. And so if you feel that sense of like, I know this person, 
I think that's a really clear sign that that they are in their element, you know, and they're doing something that they truly are passionate about in a way that feels authentic to them. Um, Because you can just sense, you can tell when someone genuinely enjoys what they're doing versus getting on their Instagram story and reading off of some script because they're just trying to sell you their newest program, right? So I think it's something that you can really feel and sense. I think also when people are showing up authentically, sometimes their content can be polarizing because if you're showing up and being true and sharing your beliefs, not everyone's going to agree with you, right? So I like, I've had a few TikTok videos go viral because there were a lot of people who disagreed with me in my comment section. Um, and sometimes that that's part of it too, um, is that their content might be really polarizing because they're just showing up unapologetically, right? I think also there's probably certain people you can think of where they just have a very distinct voice and that goes back to branding but it's really just like that they'll maybe write an email in a certain way and you're like oh that's so Lindsay like I can I could tell that she wrote this from a mile away right (laughs) um so there might just be kind of that voice and that branding that that really stands out compared to other people who are doing the same thing and then from the perspective of as an entrepreneur how do you know that you're acting and um, using strategies that are aligned for you, I think it really comes down to like, does this feel good to you? Like, I think a lot of times, especially in the beginning, we don't trust ourselves. We feel like we don't know enough. And so we think we have to look outside of ourselves for the answers. Like I have to follow the strategy that this coach or this person is saying worked for them because I don't know what I'm doing. And if it worked for them, then it must be the right way, right? But there are a million different ways to build a successful business. <laughs> and there's no one right way that's going to work for everyone. And so if someone is telling you you have to send out 30 cold DMs a week in order to get clients and that doesn't feel good for you, there is another way, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If someone tells you, oh, you have to be on TikTok, but you hate TikTok and you hate making videos and it takes up so much of your time and energy and it feels draining to you instead Mm -hmm. of energizing to you. Mm -hmm. I think your marketing strategies should feel good. They should, they should energize you rather than drain you. Mm -hmm. Um, that can be a really good sign that like, maybe that's not the platform for you, right? If you find yourself dreading, Oh, I have to write this email. I have to create this Instagram post and don't get me wrong. Like there, there might be moments within an aligned strategy where you just don't feel like showing up that day, like that's different than consistently having to force yourself to execute on this strategy. Like overall, it should feel good for you. It should feel almost effortless for you. Like when I make TikToks, it takes me like 10 seconds. Like I don't spend a ton of time making TikToks and I've had multiple of them go viral in my account is still pretty small on there. Right. And I think that goes back to me letting it be easy and doing it in a way that feels good for me and not following all of these people who are like, you have to post five times a day on TikTok if you want to grow. I'm like, I, I haven't been on TikTok all week because I haven't been feeling it, but I know the second that I want to create a TikTok again, it'll probably get a lot of views from the right people. Right. And so trusting yourself following what feels good for you and noticing any resistance, um, anything that you're procrastinating on consistently is probably, it could be that it's not the right strategy for you. It could be that you just need to delegate that part of it because that's not, you know, where you enjoy showing up the most, but I think we're meant to be in that energized flowy state most of the time. And so I think when, when that's your core belief, anytime you get out of that state, you're, it's kind of a red flag that something needs to change. Either the strategy needs to change. You need to be doing it differently. You need to delegate that piece of it. Right. But I think we're so used to, oh, well, you just have to hustle. It's not going to feel amazing 100% of the time. And you just have to grind and follow the strategies um, that have worked for everyone else. And I just don't believe that that's true. Mm-hmm. And can I just say that you are a generator acting in full alignment with your type? Like every, 
even the language that you're using, I'm like generator to a T right now. And I love it so much. And I completely agree with everything you just said. I personally am a huge proponent of TikTok and I always encourage people to get on TikTok because I know what it can do for your business. But if they are hellbent and they hate it and they're like, I really don't want to, I am never going to force somebody to get on a platform that they don't enjoy because I know it's not going to be successful. Their attitude is no. going to suck. Their yeah. energy is going to suck. The content's not going to be good because they don't want to be there. So why right. don't we put them on a platform that they don't enjoy? I think that's yeah. a really important distinction. Yeah. Your energy, the energy that you show up with, I think matters so much more than where you're showing up. <laughs> and so I think that's why TikTok has worked really well for me. My podcast has always worked really well for me. I mean, Instagram has too. It's just kind of slower growth on there. Um, but you know, my email list like has worked well for me in the phases of my business where I was really into writing and writing out emails. Um, but it also changes over time. I think it, maybe it's the generator thing, but just following, you know, what feels good for you, giving yourself permission to pivot when it's no longer feeling good for you. Cause like I said, I haven't been on TikTok in like a week or two because I just have not felt like that's where I want to show up right now. I could be sitting here forcing myself to create videos every day, but they would get like no views. They would get no engagement. My energy would be off. They wouldn't even be effective anyway. So it would just be a giant waste of time and energy in my opinion. And I'd rather spend that energy on where, where am I actually feeling called to focus on right now? Like what, Mm -hmm. what am I actually wanting to do? That's, that's what I can get my energy behind. And because it's what I can get my energy behind, it is going to be the most effective thing for my business right now, if that makes sense. No, completely agree. Completely agree. And you hit on one thing that I would love to kind of wrap this episode up with, because I think a lot of people are just in the state of what the fuck is happening. And because you're in social media management, the difference between TikTok and Instagram, because I'm in the same Mm -hmm. boat with my Instagram. Sometimes I'll get a piece of content that has like a trending reel or whatever, and it'll do well. It won't do spectacular, but it'll do well compared to my average engagement rate. But most of the time, it's not popping off over there like it is on my TikTok. Like my TikTok grows so much more fast, gets so much more engagement, gets so much more views. And TikTok is actually the main driver of leads Mm -hmm. for my business. Instagram is more so the place where I've noticed if somebody comes through my network, I'll meet them on Instagram, like a friend referring to me or somebody that knows somebody coming to me that will happen more on Instagram. So can you kind of talk about the differences between the platforms that might explain why this is happening? So we can just put it to bed once and for all, because I know so many of my clients are like, what is happening with my Instagram? It's so frustrating. Do I just suck or is it the platform? Like what is going on? <laughs> um, I'd say it's the platform. Anyone who follow, who's been following me on Instagram knows that I kind of hate Instagram lately. Um, I just feel like they're trying to be TikTok and they're not. And it's just like, why? are you doing this to yourself or to all of us? Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed that too. I will post, I'll post the same video on TikTok and Instagram reels, and it pretty much always does better on TikTok. Um, I've also noticed on Instagram, I don't know if this happens to you, like my reel will like go off in the first hour that I post it. And then it'll just like nothing. Does that happen to you? Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? It depends. It really depends. Like sometimes I'll post one. It immediately does well. Sometimes I'll post one and then overnight it'll get picked up. So I'm just like, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. I've also had, and this has happened for some of my clients, like we'll post a reel. It gets like average amount of views. And then a week later it like blows up. Yes. (laughs) That happened to me in the worst way possible. So I I posted one video that really had nothing to do with branding and marketing. Oh, yeah. Right? Posted one. It blew up, grew grew my account by so much. And then the video was about, um, it was about imposter syndrome and like a protective mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. Like it being a protective mechanism, the way that we respond to imposter syndrome really has nothing to do with the actual work that I do. It goes into the mindset of what I do, but it's not a topic that I talk about very often. So I was just like, oh, (laughs) what did I just do? Right. But it took weeks, weeks. And then it got like tens of thousands of views where most of my content might get a couple hundred tops. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just like, oh my God, no, why did this, yeah. why here, why did this, <laughs> why this one? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I've given up trying to understand why. Um, I don't remember what your original question was. <laughs> was it the difference between the platforms? Yeah, we were just talking about what's going oh, on yeah. with the difference between the two. I, I think Instagram is like trying to push reels, but they're just not doing it well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just ends up being really frustrating. Um, so I think just focusing on where whatever is working for you, right? And I would agree that TikTok tends to get better engagement, more reach than Instagram pretty much every time. I have had I have had a couple instances where a reel did better on Instagram than it did on TikTok. But the majority of the time, um, TikTok, I think just the way they have their algorithm, which I think Instagram is changing because now they're, they have the new um, home feed features that they're coming out with where it's, it's not necessarily people you're following that you're seeing. You're seeing more content from people that are similar to the people you're following and similar to the TikTok for you page, right? So um maybe that's a good thing because maybe that means your content will get more reach on Instagram now for people who aren't following you on there. Um, but yeah, I've definitely noticed that TikTok tends to get more reach and more engagement. And it's definitely been a bigger driver, um, of leads for my business than Instagram recently. Um, I think TikTok is really, really good for, if you have like a freebie, um, like if you have a lead magnet, I had a video that I posted once and I got like a hundred downloads of my lead magnet overnight. And like that never happens to me. Mm -hmm. Like that was when my audience was even smaller than it is now. Right. So that can be really good for TikTok is driving traffic somewhere else. (laughs) Um, and for me, I've, the way that I see it is kind of like TikTok is, the platform that I use to bring people into my space and Instagram is more the platform that I use to nurture those people and engage with them and build an audience there, not build an audience, but, um, build my brand more and just connect with that audience. Cause on Instagram, I mean, TikTok has stories now, but like, I still feel like Instagram stories are kind of like the most intimate place where you can really talk directly to your people and they kind of get that inside look into behind the scenes of your life or whatever you want to share on there. So for me, I see Instagram more as a place to engage with and nurture my audience and TikTok more as a place to bring people into my audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the exact approach that I use for it too. And it works really, really well. And I think Mm -hmm. more than anything, knowing how to use the different platforms that we're on and letting the frustrations just kind of be what they are because Instagram can be extremely frustrating. TikTok Mm -hmm. can be extremely frustrating too. If you're new to the app and you don't know how to create content over there, it's a learning curve. But when you're clear on the intention of what the platform is meant to do for you, it makes it a lot easier to have a plan in place to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the type of content that I know works really well over here. And my intention is to drive people to my Instagram so I can get to know them better. And so that they can experience more of my brand and form a deeper relationship with me. I think that's really smart. And that's the same approach that I take too. Yeah. I've noticed that TikTok because I mean, the videos are so short, like you can't possibly share (laughs) your entire business, your entire story, everything you have to give in one video, but it's really good at capturing someone's attention. And if they are interested in what you're talking about, they're going to follow you and want to learn more or Mm -hmm. download your guide or listen to your podcast or follow you on Instagram where they can learn more. Right. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, I, I found it to be really effective at creating content that just gets people's attention um, so that they're interested in learning more versus, you know, on Instagram, I feel like there's more space to engage with those people and share more about your journey or whatever it is that you're working on um, and kind of nurture that audience there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And you have shared so much awesome information with us. And this has been such a twisty, windy conversation. I had this whole, okay, guys, I have, I always map out a few questions that I know I want to ask. Lindsay and I, we just took a hard left turn, but we came back around. So thank you for being agile and kind of moving with me along there. There's just so many places that we could have gone. And I think this was an epic conversation. So thank you so much. 
if there was anything that you wanted to leave the wild woman fam with, or if there's anything that you just mm. want entrepreneurs to hear, what would that be? Mm. I would say trust yourself above anything else, any strategy that someone's telling you to use. If it doesn't feel good for you, there's another way, right? If your current job that you're in doesn't feel good for you, and you know that it's time to make a change or your current, whatever you're doing in your business doesn't feel good and it's time to pivot, you can trust yourself. Take a deep breath. It's not so scary. <laughs> Remember what we talked about in the beginning um, of the fear of uh, staying the same versus that fear of change. And I think it's always worth going after whatever it is that you feel called into. Um, so trust yourself and take that leap. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Lindsay, thank you so much. And if there's anything that you want to share with people in terms of a offer or something that you want to promote or where can people come learn more about you, all the links yeah. will be in your show notes, but it's always good to hear from your voice where you prefer to connect with people. Yeah, I'd say if you want to hear more about my journey, uh, my podcast is definitely the place where I share all the things. So you can listen to Quit Your Job, Sis, wherever you are listening to this um come hang out with me on tiktok and instagram my handle is at lindsay m hansen and if you want to learn more about my coaching program my website is lindsayhansen.com amazing thank you so much lindsay this was a super fun conversation it, this was amazing thank you so much for having me all right, that is a wrap on this episode with Lindsay Hansen. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And if you just absolutely loved Lindsay's personality and you're like, I need more of this girl's energy and perspective and wisdom in my life, all of her handles, all of her links are in the show notes. You can go apply for coaching. You can also go follow her podcast, check her out on LinkedIn, check her out on Instagram. I highly recommend. Lindsay is just one of those like down home couch friends that you can have a real honest conversation with about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, but also how to create fulfillment and how to find your own unique path. So if you are in the beginning stages of entrepreneurship, or if you're listening in and you're in a job that is just not fulfilling you, I 10 out of 10 suggest connecting with Lindsay because this is a scope of entrepreneurship that I don't necessarily cover as a brand strategist, but this is why I love to bring people on in the worlds of entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, etc., to expose you to resources that a, I trust, but B will help you move along in your journey to creating that fulfilling career that is just going to light you up every day where you get to use your skills and talents fully and where you feel like you're truly making the difference that you desire to make in the world. So with that being said, I am sending you so much love. I am forever cheering you on. Now go pursue that big impact and big income that you're after.